Hey everyone, so when do we buy again? That's the question, right? When do we buy again? And I think in order to understand when, personally I believe it'll be safer to invest, uh, because you know that I'm mostly in cash right now, uh, we need to study the, what I call, SH9T scenario. In case scenario. <laughs> uh, now that's going to sound a little thuddish, but I, I like to work backwards. I try to think what is what is the worst case scenario, and then how can I walk back to see okay what what other indicators are going to come up that are going to tell me no 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 we're not going to that scenario. We are you know going to recover before that, which I really really want. Uh, you know people think it's crazy that somebody who's uh, mostly in cash would not want a recession. But I think that, that forgets the fact that every source of revenue goes down when we're in a recession. Uh, you might lose your job in a recession. You might uh, uh, you know, spend a lot less money, uh, which would lead advertisers to spend less money, which means YouTube ads go down, sponsorships go down, all that stuff goes down. If you lose money, I lose money, everybody loses money. It's not just our investments that go down. We just lose straight up money. And so recessions are not good. Uh, sometimes they can create reset periods and opportunities. Certainly they create plenty of opportunities, but they're not good. So what is the SH9T scenario? Well, the, the SH9T scenario is, is the following. Uh, simply put, inflation and uh, supply chain issues continue to persist. We see some softness uh, that starts inflecting. Maybe we start seeing container prices slowly start moderating, kind of like Robinson said in their earnings call a couple days ago that they expect in the second half uh, have some moderating of this. We start seeing used car prices moderate a little bit. Maybe we start seeing some of those things, but we still end up with ridiculously high consumer price index uh, readings and PCE readings because of housing and energy costs going through the roof. Remember, housing makes up one third of the index. Used cars make up like one sixth of the index. I'm sorry, actually, that's more like 6% of the index. Uh, so substantially less. So the point is, if we end up with persistently high inflation readings and uh, more supply chain issues, the Federal Reserve, as much as they want to soft talk us right now, hey, don't worry so much about those rate hikes, you know, we're going to do this smoothly or whatever. On one hand, they're saying we're going to do this smoothly. On the other hand, they're saying we're going to walk the walk. They're going to raise rates. They're going to pull the ECB U-turn uh, and the uh, Bank of England U-turn and they're going to raise rates. Uh, which we expect to start on March 16th. Probably a quarter percent, maybe a half percent. doesn't really matter. Uh, but the point is they're going to start walking the walk because they need to. Because the big danger is if inflation and supply chain issues persist, and, and this is overarching inflation, so even if you have certain categories that are low, if some stay high, the Fed's going to have to act. And this is where a lot of folks say, oh, well, wait a minute, Kevin. The Fed can't raise rates because then we're going to have to pay much more interest. Like, that's not possible. So let's clarify these one at a time. That's wrong. The United States government can sell bonds directly to foreign investors or Americans and then finance their debt. So it's kind of like borrowing to pay the interest on your other borrowing. <laughs> that can work. In theory, you could also raise taxes, cut spending, but that usually doesn't end up happening. Uh, so the U.S. government can absolutely find ways to finance their own debt. And keep in mind, just because rates go up doesn't mean that all of the debt that we have outstanding becomes more expensive. Our debt rolls off over time. Like the two years come due, then the five years come due, then the seven years come due, right? So all of our debt doesn't jump right away because interest rates jump. Besides, uh, the, the percentage of interest that we're paying as a percentage of GDP is exceptionally low right now. We could double the interest we're paying today and we would just be at the percentage of GDP 
for interest expense spend uh, as, as where we were in the 90s. So in other words, like that argument doesn't fly. So the Fed's got to raise rates because they've got to at least send the signal to markets, the psychological signal to markets that we are going to fight inflation. Now, I personally don't actually believe that interest rates going up to a quarter percent, half percent, or even one percent are going to really do anything for inflation because who needs cash right now? Banks got lots of cash. Businesses got lots of cash and consumers have the most cash they've ever had before or even uh, net worths that they've ever had before. Household net worths and household balance sheets are through the freaking roof. Highest levels that we've seen in decades. And so uh, what, are, are credit card interest rates going up 2% or really gonna stop us from spending? I don't think so. Uh, and I think consumers are likely to continue to spend and businesses are likely to continue to spend. Uh, any kind of moderation that we see in consumer spending is, is hopefully a good thing that eventually we see reduced inflation. But unfortunately, even if we stop spending today, the inflation readings tend to lag anywhere between two to six months because price increases that are planned ahead of time by corporations. And we could actually end up seeing more inflation rather than less. This is for, for at least the next six months, right? This is why uh, Bloomberg economists are expecting a 7.3% CPI read next week on Thursday, on the 10th of February, when the inflation numbers come out. It's just not good. And the longer we continue in that trend, the more pressure is going to be on the Federal Reserve to act and to walk the walk and to raise rates to show that they will not just stand by and let the situation get worse. This is why we saw this massive U-turn in December. So what's the SH9T scenario? Because so far this just sounds like what's probably gonna happen, right? Well, the bad case scenario is the following. We start towards the second half of the year, like the summer and the, the fall, winter, we start seeing spending fall by consumers, which again, we think would be good for inflation, right? But because inflation lags, inflation is likely to still be high while spending slows down a little bit relative to 2021. See, we could still be spending like crazy, but if we just spend a dollar less than we spent in 2021, we have a negative year over year GDP comparison. Negative GDP comparisons lead to recession. And this is where the difference of a paper recession and a real recession comes up. What happens if let's say in Q3 and Q4, we end up getting negative GDP reads. This is the SH9T scenario. We get negative GDP reads because people don't have the child tax rate anymore. They don't have the unemployment pay anymore. They don't have the student loan forbearance. They don't have the mortgage forbearance. They don't have any of the stimulus checks anymore. They're not getting anything from the government anymore. So, so now we're spending just slightly less than we did last year, which isn't hard to imagine that we would spend slightly less than crazy spending year like last year coming out of a pandemic where everybody's going willy nilly spending everything. Everybody feels rich. Now we get negative GDP prints for two quarters in a row. And this is the FUD-ish SH9T scenario, right? And now we enter what's called a paper recession. Two quarters of negative GDP is a paper recession. You are technically in a recession. But everybody's gonna be like, wait a minute, we don't really feel like we're in a recession because we're still spending very similarly to 2021. Even if things have slowed a little bit, it's like, hey, we're still doing great, right? But since we're in a paper recession, hey, yo, Jerome Powell, can you just hold off a little bit on, on hiking rates so much? And, and can you come bail us out? You know, maybe don't run off the balance sheet as much. And this is unfortunately where I worry. The Federal Reserve is going to say, we're sorry. We cannot bail you out just because your stock prices are going down and we're in a paper recession. We have to fight inflation. And because job openings are so high, we haven't seen layoffs yet. Inflation is still so high. And we're in a situation where uh, we are, uh, we, we actually prefer for stock prices to go down because it removes risk from the uh, financial markets, which is very, very true. You got to keep that in mind. The Federal Reserve, the, the more bubbly stocks get, 
the more risk there is in financial markets because people take on more margin debt, people make more speculative bets, people go crazy in options, you know, all that sort of stuff. That speculation is bad. It leads to bubbles and bubbles can lead to the collapse of empires, can lead to the collapse of an entire country, right? So we don't want that. We want to stay away from that. It's actually healthier to have a recession than like a, a bubble and then a depression, right? But anyway, this is where the Federal Reserve goes, look, job openings are still high. Yeah, we have negative prints, but that's because we're comparing to high numbers last year. So, so what? We're in a paper recession, but we need to keep fighting inflation. So thanks for calling us up. We're actually now going to use this opportunity to tell you that we're raising rates again. So now you're potentially in a scenario where the Fed is raising rates while we are in a paper recession. And what do you think that is going to psychologically do to people? The Fed crimping down on us while the stock market's falling and we're in a paper recession probably lead people to freak out, cut their spending, which I've already told all, uh, all, all of uh, the folks here on the channel or at my courses, start saving money, like cut your expenses. Other YouTubers have already copied my idea of telling everybody, hey, start saving money, start building up because just in case we go into a bear market, go through the last, you know, three months of your bank statements, start cutting out subscriptions, start cutting out stuff, right? That doesn't mean the whole world's gonna do it. It's not like we're trying to create a recession here. It's just, I think it's the frugal and, and smart thing to do. Like, Stop thinking we're rich because it, 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 the market could turn on a dime. And if we go paper recession, Fed then crimps down on us in real recession because they're like, we would rather have a real recession than risk a bubble and then a depression. That is probably when we get to absolute ridiculous levels of peak fear. This is when people start dumping their real estate, people start dumping their stocks, and people are just fearful because the person they thought that was their friend and was gonna come bail them out is not bailing them out. And people keep referring, and this is so stupid, people keep referring to, oh, but, but we didn't have this problem when we raised rates in 2016. I mean, you know, the market actually did pretty well while we were raising rates. Oh, uh, hello. Inflation was under 2% in 2016. We were having trouble getting to 2%. Now we were just trying to normalize monetary policy. It's just nuts. So that's the SH9T scenario. Now, what happens at the end of the SH9T scenario? Uh, you know, and, and it just be a matter of time before other YouTubers copy this, just like they suggest uh, that you start saving money, <laughs> which we talk about on this channel first, but it's okay, I'm not bitter. <laughs> anyway, um, what happens next? Well, now, if consumers really start panicking, they cut spending, now you get business layoffs. And it's only when we actually start getting business layoffs and the unemployment rate goes up, that, in my opinion, is when we have problems. Because when the unemployment rate starts going up, now the other side of the dual mandate comes up. And this is where hopefully by this time, say it's Q4 2022 or Q1 2023, and we're in an SH9T scenario, uh, hopefully the Fed's like, okay, 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 supply chains have gotten better, inflation's down, uh, we're now going to start stimulating again. That is your buy signal, right there. When the Federal Reserve U-turns, that is your buy signal. Because that was the buy signal in the crash of 1987, when uh, the recession of 2008 bottomed out in 2009, when the dot-com bubble uh, bottomed out in 2003, uh, in February, March of 2003, it was all because of the Fed. And uh, when the market started uh, stopped falling at the end of 2018, when the Federal Reserve U-turned, it all has to do with the Fed U-turn. Now, the, the double SH9T scenario would be the Fed saying, yeah, we don't care if unemployment goes up, we need to deal with hyperinflation. I don't really expect that to happen. Uh, I really do expect that at some point we're going to get disinflation. We're going to see these inflationary figures come down, supply chains are gonna catch up, people are gonna stop spending as much money, and things will normalize. It's just a matter right now of how bad is inflation going to get? 
How aggressive is the Fed going to get? And will that lead to a paper recession that leads to peak panic in markets? Now, that's the worst case scenario. Best case scenario is we end up getting uh, some form of, of continued readings that companies are doing better with inflation, that uh, consumer spending has slowed a little bit. That would be good. But we're actually starting to see that show up in lower inflation numbers and that housing inflation isn't as bad. And we come in for what the people with the violin, a.k.a. Jim Cramer, say is just a soft landing, a soft adjustment. Everything's going to be OK. Everything's going to be fine. That's that's what I hope for. Best case scenario, market moves up a little bit. We buy back in because the market is dealing with inflation or it's dealt with inflation and we're fine. We don't have an SH-90 scenario. Now, so how do you start looking for those signals of, of that soft landing? We have to have across the board lower reads on CPI or wage pressures. So tomorrow we're going to get uh, Friday at 5.30 a.m. We're going to get data on uh, jobs. How high is job inflation going to be on a month to month basis? Is it going to be 0.5%? That's 6% annualized. That's still high, right? So you can come in lower or higher. That's going to be a big deal the market's going to care about. Next week, we'll get CPI readings, inflation readings. Now, those are going to be a huge deal. And looking at the individual categories, which of the categories are declining or increasing. Uh, on top of that, we're going to be looking at uh, the uh, the March data that comes out as well, because January is going to be a little funky because of Omicron. So things are going to be a little skewed. We might see less job creation, but higher job inflation, which would be bad. And we might see uh, CPI actually temporarily come in a little bit low uh, in certain categories because of Omicron. But we'll be able to see that by looking at the individual categories. You know, if like hotels go down 5%, it's probably because of Omicron, right? Anyway, so, so these are the things the market is going to evaluate. Uh, and in my opinion, knowing the SH9T scenario is, is not FUD. It's actually uh, being aware of how bad things could get when and if the Federal Reserve uh, ends up counter uh, to what we expect them to do. And that's when you potentially get peak fear. And so when we work back from that, in my opinion, we can recognize, OK, this is probably the best time to invest versus maybe now is not the best time to invest. Right. We can make that evaluation determination. Uh, I also do want to be crystal clear. I, I, I don't think that every individual with a uh, smaller portfolio, you know, let's say if your income is fifty thousand dollars and your portfolio is twenty thousand dollars. I don't think it's prudent for every single individual to just say, that's it, I'm selling and you know, rebuy back in later. You know, timing, timing market, timing the market in general is, is next to impossible on, on, on a short term basis. You'd use technical analysis to increase your odds. Uh, timing macro cycles is much more possible. But if you have a small portfolio, it might just make more sense to focus on making more money <laughs> than trying to try, try to time the macro cycle. Right. Uh, you know, $20,000 portfolio, you're, you're better off figuring out how you can go earn $50,000 more and, uh, and you'll end up making more money. So anyway, my thoughts, thank you so much for watching. Hopefully this was insightful. If it was, consider sharing the video. Didn't even have a sponsor in this video. I don't know who we want to throw in. Go to metkevin.com slash life and get life insurance in as little as five minutes. All right, folks. Thanks so much. Bye.